Hello, guys. Jack here. Happy to be releasing our first episode featuring one of you guys.、Uh, this is recorded a couple of these now.、Um, I think the next few episodes will be in this format.、Uh, if you guys are enjoying it, please send me a note.、Uh, I've been really enjoying it. Got some really smart people sending me some really interesting hands. Have had some really cool conversations. So I look forward to getting these out to you guys in the next few weeks. And if you guys want to come on the show, please email me a hand history、uh, that you'd like to be featured at jack at justhandspoker dot com. A reminder: we are brought to you guys by Solve for Why. I want to thank them for their ongoing support. Highly recommend that you guys check out their subscription site. Solve for Why Academy, um, dot TV or that's not the link, but I'm gonna post it in the show notes. I have a new series on there called Back to Basics, where I'm kind of like teaching poker from the ground up in the way that I wish someone had been able to teach me. Um, so far there are episodes on equity, EV, um, pot odds, and a frequency based approach. And the next episode to come out is on game theory, and you know it's not for the true beginner, but if you're someone who is looking to get a really solid tune-up on your fundamentals, I highly recommend that course. And there's a ton of other great stuff on there, a bunch from Matt Berkey,、um, the Poker Out Loud series, which is all of us playing in a game where we are talking about our decisions out loud. It's really cool. Lots of good stuff on there. Highly recommend you guys check that out. Anyways,、uh, appreciate all of you tuning in、uh, week after week. Although it hasn't been week after week, but we'll approximate that going forward. Anyways, enjoy this week's episode, and I'll see you guys next time. Hello, and welcome back to Just Hands. I'm joined here by James B. James, I know you as James B. I know you you have a, a full last name that you're welcome to give or not give,、uh, but James is the first. Listener, to take me up on the open offer of coming on the show, James is a member of the Just Hands membership group, one of our most active posters of hands in always interesting spots. James, really happy to have you on the podcast. How you doing? Doing great. Excited to get into the hand.、Uh, it's James Builderbeck, by the way. Builderbeck,、um, that's right. Yeah, it's not a secret identity. So, should we get into it? Let's do it. So, I'm guessing this comes from. Your main game in Seattle? Yes. So、um, there are a couple special restrictions in this game. It's、um, three three hundred spread limit. So I was playing three five, which has a three hundred to one thousand buy-in. There's another restriction that doesn't come up in this hand. There are only four bets allowed. I think it's、um, pre-flop, so you can't、uh, like five bet get it in. Very much so. Sometimes、um, two players will have uncapped ranges going into the flop, but yeah, that doesn't come up in this hand. So and so, just to be make sure that the rules are clear, post flop,、yeah. I could bet three hundred. You could raise to six hundred. I could raise to nine hundred. We could keep doing this until we were all in, or no?、Mm, I but I think I think there's four bets limit on each street. It's never come up, but that should be something that I should know, I suppose. All right, so we'll we'll、yeah. treat it as if there's a four bet cap, but it's、yeah. unlikely to be. I, I have I only have five hundred effective in this hand. Okay, so, so definitely won't be、uh, relevant. 
Yeah. But at the very least, if someone, you know, bet a hundred and you had 500 behind, you could not shove. Correct. I could only raise to 400 total. Okay. So we're 500 effective. Yeah. So the main villain in this hand, I've played like maybe like five sessions with him before. He is pretty loose and aggressive. It, I think it depends a little bit on his mood, but he can be pretty wide. Like, I've seen him raise, like, five deuce suited from, like, the hijack before. You know, so he could he could have, like, 50% of hands. I think, like, I think some of it is affected by his mood, so he could, he could be a little wider or narrower than that. Mm-hmm. I've taken to three-betting him with a merged range previously, so, like, three-betting hands, like, king-queen offsuit, Ace ten offsuit, yeah. just because I know he's so wide and can't defend very well. So that's uh, that's been my main adjustment to him pre flop, post flop. I think he's decent. Like he has a lot of practice. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um, for example, here here's one example that I think can give some insight into how he plays. So he was in another hand. He was like raised pre flop uh, early position. Uh, with uh, king ten offsuit, and the board came king jack or king queen jack. He had king ten offsuit, and he ended up check calling two streets against like bets from one opponent, and uh, ended up leading river. So he was like certain that he was behind on the river, and uh, he was check calling because he was open ended, I presume. And he ended up getting called down by a guy with jacks, but that can just kind of show, like, you know, he didn't just bet top pair on that flop just because he had top pair. Like, he was reasonably aware of where, where he was at. Do you think he was leading river as a bluff? Yes, yes, I'm certain. And so it was, he, he max bet the river? Yeah, okay. yeah. And the guy, like, tank called him with jacks. Yeah, anyway. On to the hand. Oh, oh he's also um, very competitive and always wears sunglasses. <laughs> So uh, All right. that's just to give you kind of a picture of the kind of person he is. All right, on to the hand. There's one limper, I think, from the low jack, and our main villain in the hijack raises to 20. This is 3-5 no limit, by the way, 500 effective. The cutoff calls, we're in the small blind, and we look down at 8 of hearts, 8 of spades. So what are you thinking about here? I think this could go either way. Is this the type of player who generally calls three bets or no? In my experience, he's mostly folded to my three bets, actually. And he four bet me once, and fortunately we had kings in that hand. So I guess that would make us lean a little bit more towards raising something, maybe something like 100. Yeah, I think raising is fine. I don't. It like- will put us in some tough spots post-flop. Like, especially since, like, eights isn't going to be an overpair to the board very much, and he is somewhat aggressive, so it might be, like, if he does call, it might be a little bit hard to defend, but I don't, he might not be calling very often. Yeah, and that's that's the main thing. I think because this hand is difficult to play out of position, even though we're ahead of the various ranges here, we don't have, like, amazing equity, and we'll be out of position with a hand that doesn't always tell us very much about our equity. And so if we, I thought we were going to be 
going post-flop against a volatile opponent at a very high frequency, I would just for sure flat. Given that you think this player is opening hands as wide as 5-deuce suited and folding most of them to a 3-bet, I think we should just go ahead and raise and try and win the pot now. And we'll have a hand with some playability and that occasionally flops a disguised monster when we get called. So yeah, I think raising to 90 or 100 is very good. I would never fault you for calling here, though. Yeah. I uh, I elected to call. The big blind called, and the limper also called. So we're uh, going five ways to the flop. And uh, we have eight of hearts, eight of spades. There's $94 in the pot after the rake, and the flop is nine of hearts, five of hearts, two of diamonds. Now, let me just yeah. say a couple more things about preflop just for the oh, sure. audience if you had a hand like king queen offsuit here that in my mind would be more of like a mandatory three bet because it's just a hand that i think performs worse or even let's say king jack offsuit is i think even a better example i would three bet king queen offsuit just because i think it's good enough but king jack offsuit that's a hand i think where you benefit a lot from narrowing the field and you you get more folds from the opener with king jack than with eights because eights is going to block more of the raise folding range and so when you're in that part of your range you know hands that don't play as well post flop out of position in what's likely going to be a four or five way pot i think you're just highly incentivized to three bet with eights it's a much closer since eights one blocks some of the folds and two just plays much better in a four or five way pot especially at these stack depths. All right, so flop is 9-5 deuce, 9-5 of hearts. You have the 8 of hearts? Yes, correct. So um, my thoughts are, well, I didn't think too much about leading in the moment. Looking at it afterwards, I think it might be an okay spot to lead since um, we can fold out a lot of, a lot of players will have over cards that we can fold out and... Um, Additionally, we can turn our hand into a bluff, potentially, maybe if a heart comes. However, with five people, there is a chance that someone does have a flush draw, or four other people. It might not work as well. Anyway, Mm -hmm. in the moment, I decided to check. I like checking. I think you considering a lead is very good. The thing is, I think your opponents will sort of default to strategies that are fairly effective against a lead. I don't think you'll get 9x plus to fold. I don't think you'll get flush draws to fold. The benefit, I guess, would be folding out a hand like King Jack or something, or Ace-10. However, yeah. um, And I think if you had two opponents, yeah, there'd be a much stronger case for that. But given that you're up against four opponents, you know, all of whom are uncapped at this point, I think it would be misguided to lead. I just don't think we get folds often enough. And when we get called, we basically have to check turn. And if our opponent, if one of our opponent just ends up, you know, floating us randomly, even though we don't suspect that they would that often, you know, someone like, let's say the opener calls you with like ace four and then you check and he bets, you know, now we've put in a bet and lost the pot in a spot where we didn't necessarily need to do that. There's definitely benefits. And I like the thought, but I think it would be just much better to have a nine here. Like if you had nine, eight, 
I would say, yeah, yeah, definitely lead because you're blocking nines. And when you unblock nines, I mean, obviously blocking nine, eight is something, but for the most part, yeah. you don't really block enough nines. That all makes sense. So anyway, um, are we ready to move on to the rest of the flop action? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm sure the listeners right. were ready five minutes ago, but I like to <laughs> all right. yeah. go on about so these the, sorts of things. So I check the Limburg. The big blind and limber check. The hijack bets 45, and uh, the cutoff folds, and it's back to me. So I do have two players behind me. I, I don't remember their tendencies very much right now, but I was thinking that I could call now because I could be ahead some portion of the time, and um, I was also strongly considering like bluffing later as if the board gets more scary if it becomes more connected, I think we could consider like check raising turn if it comes like a six or a seven, something because that might give us some two pairs. But so anyway, he bets his bet is 45, so it's a little bit less than half pot, close to half pot, and uh, I decided to call. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand why you called here, and I like the thought that we can check raise some of these favorable turn cards. But I would raise now and shove on those sorts of turn cards that you wanted to maybe check raise and also shove hearts. Basically, I think denying the equity of the two other players in the pot who are very often going to be checking a nine to the opener. Um, maybe not always. Like I'm sure there are some, they're going to be leading these types of hands at some frequency, but very often they'll, you know, can, have hands with reasonable equity like nines or a flush draw or even a gut shot like ace four ace three like i mentioned getting a very good price and i think we're just highly incentivized to deny that equity a bet of 45 doesn't seem very strong like you know i could imagine queens betting 45 here but i think if anything this sizing suggests some weakness to me and so i think there's a pretty good chance you can win here on the flop and I think you have enough turn cards where you can shove through, like a six, a seven, an eight, a nine, a heart, maybe a five, that I would just go for it. And yeah. Make yeah, it, that makes sense. Just leave yourself 300 behind, whatever that size is. I don't imagine, or I was just thinking about ranges of the two players behind. I don't imagine they have a nine very often i mean i guess they'll have like some like maybe like jack nine ten nine suited we block like nine eight suited you could have ace nine suited i suppose and like nine seven suited but they probably won't have too many offsuit nine combos i wouldn't be shocked uh, if like the big blind called with most ace nine eight nine ten nine offsuit yeah that's true okay that's true i i can definitely get on board with the raise Facing a larger side would size uh, would you be less inclined to raise like facing a bet of say like seventy into ninety four? Yeah, I think facing a bet of seventy, I would just fold. You know, we do block bluffs, and we have two players behind who are both two degree uncapped and have a lot of better hands that I think we'll probably call. Yeah, I think facing this size where I think we're getting a decent amount of folds. And also, he's sort of setting us up for this nice raise-shove. Like, when he bets 70, 
we can't really raise shove. We're just not deep enough. And like call shove is kind of doesn't really make any sense. And if we're not going to raise now or ever lead turn, we're kind of resigned to let our opponent realize all of their equity, which isn't great. So yeah, I think only way I think you can really properly continue in this pot is through a raise. The call is just tricky because it makes it tougher for us to get folds um, in the future. Our opponents realize equity. We don't deny anyone's equity. And so, yeah, I would definitely raise here. But I think it's a very non-obvious spot. And I don't think many players... I would guess like almost no one in, in your pool is would, is raising here. And I think... <laughs> yeah. Should. Yeah, I don't think anyone else would be raising with 8-8 eight, eight, with the 8 of hearts on uh, on this board. <laughs> All right. On to the turn? Yeah, I'll, I'll make one last point. Like, Sure. We can tend to put a hand in a certain category and then not react to the fact that the situation has changed drastically. I think a lot of people think of this as a hand that's sort of like an header behind spot. It also has ability to improve. We have a heart. You know, we have three to a straight. And that's yeah. totally true. Like, you know, when you're in the big blind calling like a cutoff open. Yeah, and it goes but because check. it's so multi-way. Yeah, you have um, two players left behind. Yeah. And we're out of position. Facing a bet that's like, you know, much stronger, where eights is, I think, really functioning more as a bluff at this point. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the situation has just changed. So you called. Did you go heads up to the turn, did you say? Yeah, heads up to the turn. All right, nice. All right. So the turn is the six of diamonds. And um, my plan on the turn was check raising, but I think a lead is also reasonable here since yeah it, it connects the board a little bit more and um, it does give us like a gut shot so we do have some additional equity and it does bring the the second flush draw i don't know if i said that it's the six of diamonds mm -hmm. the fact that it's the second flush draw isn't great since it introduces sort of a set of hands that we can never get to fold through a check raise you know, basically any 9x of diamonds is in the category of would never fold to a check raise. Because of that, and I think just generally the 6 is a card that we can and probably should be leading, but I think the fact that it brings in this second draw, yeah, I would lead. Yeah. And then set up a river shove. Okay. And just be the, kind of going for it. Yeah. Because I think there's too many hands, like heart draws, diamond, like picked up diamond draws, Hands like nine X of diamonds. There's a, a sizable call fold range, I, I think, especially since okay. we block hearts. Like I wouldn't go for it on like when the diamond comes. Better to lead on this card because then we can bet big on the river, and he'll fold if he has two diamonds, assuming that it doesn't come a diamond. Yeah, like if he has ace queen of diamonds here, yeah. like he's not. Yeah, he's not folding to a check raise. Yeah. So what? So if the pot's 180, what kind of size would you be using here? It's a little transparent, but I, I'm not too worried about the fact that it's transparent. I would just be setting up like a river shove. So probably about about 100 or 100. What is it? I guess 125 or 140 that sets you up for all in. On yeah, the river? it's a, a 300 dollar river bet. Yeah, that would be all in. Yeah. 
I, w- I would just leave the Macs behind. Yeah, so what kind of, I guess, what kind of range would we put him on at this point? Like, he could have some, a lot of 9X, I suppose. He could have, he could have some high, high pairs, like bad players or, or uh, loose players are allowed to get them. Yeah, no, for sure he has overpairs. Yeah. He has sets. Mm-hmm. He has 9X. He probably has yeah. some 5X, which, yeah. you know, he might have 5-6. Yeah. He could have hands like wheel aces. He could have some eight eight seven. I guess we blocked that. Yeah. Um, but eight seven is definitely possible. He could have some Jack Ten hard yeah, drives. I, yeah. He has a strong range, which is, you know basically the the big variable is, you know, how much air is he just kind of funneling into this flop bit. Especially five ways. I imagine he'd be continuing a little bit less, given that he does have some post flop he has like reasonable post-flop decisions i suppose um compared to compared to a lot of people in the pool anyway anyway the turn i i decided to check the turn i was thinking about check raising but um i think i do like the the lead better given that we can fold out those diamond hands on the river and um he checks it back yeah. i would expect that to happen a fair amount on this card yeah yeah i think it's the sort of card where when he has a nine or an overpair we saw him check King 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is just the type of turn card where it's just much better for your range. It's a little hard to say because you call from this ball blind and he opens so wide. So maybe it's not really better for your range, but when he holds an overpair, I think it's going to feel better for your range. Yeah, especially I think a lot of people like get into the mindset of like, it's like, okay, like I'm heads up. And I was the pre-flop raiser, like whose range is this board better for? And not really adjusting to the fact that it's multi-way, you know, like just kind of thinking it in terms of of that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, when he checks back, I was thinking that he had like some nine x, like maybe maybe more like weaker nine x, like jack nine, ten nine, and then. Um, Maybe like some, like less than half is over pairs, I was thinking. Like maybe, you know, maybe something like a third of the over pairs. I, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say at this point, but I definitely thought he could have over pairs some yeah, of the time. Yeah, he should have some over pairs. He probably yeah. also has some air. Yeah. So yeah, we, had, you know, there's a chance we could be good as well. Anyway, the river is the two of clubs and uh, we have, about 180 in the pot and about 400 behind, something like that. So I decide to check the river at this point, and um, I was considering, I thought if I check-raised, I could put his over-pairs in a bad spot. But one, one thing to consider that I didn't really at the time as much is that his over pairs are now beating some of our two pair combos. Like we had five, six or maybe like nine, six suited, something like that. Yeah. That uh, was, yeah. This card is very bad for, for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we really have no twos and you know, whenever we happen to turn like two pair, we just got counterfeit. And so if, if we had led eights, I would check this. I would not follow through on this turn. Okay, on the turn. I'm oh, sorry, on this river. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if we checked, if we checked the eights, or no, if we led the eights on the turn, we would check this river. Yeah, because, I think it's probably. Yeah, our two pairs are now losing. Yeah, our two pairs are now losing. Yeah, I think it's one of our our worst, one of the worst cards we could see. So I definitely like beginning with a check, probably with your entire range here. And the question then is, check fold, check call, or check raise, and all those seem reasonable. Yeah, I agree that he could definitely have done like some sort of. So he does. He bets seventy five after we check, and um, I think this could be like some sort of like kind of pot control line on the turn, you know. And then his, you know, he's betting his over pairs on the river, trying to get some value from some like 9x type hands or maybe you know he could have a nine here too trying to get value from a hand like mine you know like sixes sevens eights something like that what do we think about calling this bet it's uh it's it's less than half pot yeah i mean it's hard for me to think calling would be a huge mistake like i think at most it would be a small mistake this doesn't scream like a bluff to me you know betting under half pot on the flop that's true and then on yeah. the river. I think it's pretty consistent with like a lot of the one pair hands, or I guess they're not two pair, but nine yeah. X over pair type hands, I think would choose this sizing a lot. And yeah. so it's not the type of spot where like our opponent is sort of range splitting based on sizing in a way that makes it pretty transparent what he's doing. I don't have a problem with call because this is a volatile player who's just going like, to yeah. show up with some garbage. And so I think calling is probably your safest option. Here's what's weird about raising to me. Mm-hmm. I think your opponent probably has a nine. I think that's like your opponent's most likely holding. Yeah. And a nine is like a pretty good hand to call you down with. Like a nine is very often going to unblock hearts, obviously, because the nine of hearts is on board. And it's going to block you having, you know, top boat. So it just depends on like the sort of sophistication of your opponent. If your opponent is a caller or a folder. Based on the yeah. fact that your opponent folds a good amount preflop, I'm more inclined to go for it. But I think it's close. I think call is pretty safe. I think fold would probably be a small mistake just because it's so easy for your opponent to just have like four or five or something and just yeah. I don't know, just randomly bet. Or your, your opponent should retain some air. So I think call is probably what I would do. But if you if you went for the raise, I would have a lot of respect for it and think it's probably a winning play, but to what degree, I'm not totally sure. Yeah, it depends. I haven't, I don't have a huge sample size on his, like, calling, calling big bets on the river frequency, just because you don't, (laughs) you don't get into that situation very often. Do you have, what's your image? I mean, you've played with this guy a few times. Yeah. We bet him a good amount. So I, yeah, he, so he thinks that I, I mean, obviously, I think he's noticed that I three-bet him merge, and I think I have shown some of those hands down. So he's aware of that. I don't think I've shown down any, like, huge, huge bluffs. And I feel like the tendency of the player pool, like, when they bet really big like this, it's almost always, like, weirdly played value, like, sets that I just decided to keep checking. And so um, I did end up deciding to go for... uh, the max raise, so yeah. I, I raised to three hundred seventy-five total. I, I like it. Yeah, I just I just think like 
I don't know. I think over pairs will will just like be angry, but like fold almost all the time. The what I was thinking, what I was just thinking about is the fact that what makes me a little queasy about bluffing on these boards is the fact that two flush draws bricked. Obviously, the second flush draw is a lot less relevant when there's no action on the turn. But when yeah. the front door flush draw bricks, like I think, you know, leading is a bluff with the front door flush draw would be a pretty big mistake. That being said, I think your opponent would often expect that when you are a bluffer and are going to try and bluff missed hearts, you would just lead the river. And so I think I sort of had to get out of, out of my own head in the sense that I would never just lead bluff hearts here, but that doesn't mean you wouldn't or that he w- doesn't think that his opponents would. So when you check raise, I think you actually are repping a more value dense range then you should be able to. And so I like it. Let's do it. I Yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the, the flush draw boards a little bit. I remember you said in the last podcast that you thought bluffing on the rainbow boards was a lot more effective just because people can't put you on a flush draw and think that you're bluffing. So, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting implications, like when there's a flush draw on the board versus when there isn't. And um, I don't think most people are taking the time to consider stuff like that. Yeah, anyway, I raised to the 375. He didn't take too long and uh, ended up calling with Queen Deuce. And yeah. uh, so he had trips on the end. Yeah, And yeah. I don't remember if it was suited or not. I, I'd i be interested to see. But yeah, we're That's... not going to get that one through, I don't think. No, and... This is like a good example of why this guy is like not so bad and like can get away with playing this many hands. It's not that I like his line, but he picked a good river sizing. He understands that like most of the hands that you have that could call don't want to call a big bet. And so he bets small even when he has probably top of range. Like I don't think he really ever checks like a set or good two pair or obviously a straight on the turn mm-hmm. with two flush draws on board. Mm-hmm. So he's at top of range and he still chose like a good, you know, range versus range sizing and yeah. induce this bluff, which he, I'm sure he didn't think I'm going to induce a bluff from eights here. Yeah. If he saw your hand, he'd probably bet the same amount and just think you were going to call. Yeah. But that was a well-played river by your opponent. And that being said, I do think your opponent probably chooses this sizing with, overpairs and strong 9x that gets to the river this way and yeah. i'm not i don't think that those are super likely to fold now in the future we're gonna have to be a lot more careful on like this type of runout because we realize now that our opponent just has a lot of deuces and would choose his sizing i definitely had considered the fact that your opponent could have a deuce but just felt like this sizing was so much more likely to be an overpair or 9x that it was worth going for it but yeah your opponent played well on this street yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, so something to say after the hand, like we were like talking a little bit about it from across the table. He mentioned like, oh, like I, I just had a bluff catcher. And so like, I think he, he like said something like he might call us like over pairs as well, which I thought was kind of interesting. And I don't know if it's actually true. I feel like in the moment over pairs, they're, they're just, I don't know. Like trips, even though it is a bluff catcher there, it just 
seems like too strong to fold, I think, whereas like maybe over pairs can find the fold there. I mean, this guy is starting to sound pretty sophisticated. The deuce is not so relevant as a blocker. I just wouldn't, yeah. I would expect most opponents to like have a very different mindset around both these hands. Yeah. Not necessarily that queen deuce, I would expect most people to understand that queen deuce is a bluff catcher, but I would similarly expect people to think that queen deuce was a much better call than like queens. Yeah, not realize that they're kind of equivalent. That's an interesting spot. Yeah, I hope, I, I thought should there were the like, flop. Yeah, yeah, should have. <laughs> I thought, yeah, it does seem like a little bit like like a bad bad beat kind of story in retrospect, but I really was more curious about, yeah, I think all the streets there are like some interesting decisions, and yeah. uh, that's it wasn't my intention to like I didn't bring it on just because he had queen deuce, <laughs> no, I uh, know, I mean, yeah. yeah, we they were all close spots, like I think three bet and call are both super viable pre. I think I think check raise is pretty clearly the best option on the flop, but I also just wouldn't expect many people to do that. And so I think call right I think it's just a good discussion. And then I think yeah, lead lead turn is pretty good. That's another way you can you end up winning this hand is like when you lead the turn, I think your opponent just kinda has to fold. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So man, you found the one way to lose the max. <laughs> I know. Maybe you should Think about some, doing something else. No, I'm just kidding. This was a well thought out and I think well played, even if there are some disagreements. Very well played. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is like one of those spots where you realize that all of your opponents in the game would not have lost uh, that much money, which is kind of interesting. But well, um, yeah. It just Whenever happens you sometimes. lose bluffing, you can basically say yeah. that. Yeah. That's it's like, wow, my opponents really would have just saved a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely. All right, James. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. A reminder that anyone who's listening to this, who has you know, a hand of this caliber that wants to come on to discuss, uh, shoot me an email, jack at justhandspoker.com. And yeah, we'll see you guys next episode.